Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, movie truthers. Welcome to this week's episode of Truth and Movies. I'm Michael Leader. I'm Hannah Strong. And I'm David Jenkins. And today we'll be talking about Kelly Reichardt's divine and bovine first cow, the devilish origins of Cruella, and in our film club we're heading back to 2008 for Kelly Reichardt's tale of a woman's best friend, Wendy and Lucy. All coming up on Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. Yes, hello listeners and Hannah, David, welcome to this new revamped version of Truth and Movies. Hannah, how have you been? Good. Time is still like a flat circle to me. I have no idea. Kind of Even with like getting back to going to the cinema and things, I still can't quite get a handle on time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, good. Glad to be back at the cinema. Glad to be back in restaurants. Happy that it looks like things are kind of going in the right direction. You know, what we've done, we pressed F5, we've turned it off and on again, turned it off at the sockets, replugged it in, everything. This is a new revamp of Truth and Movies, so we could all just reintroduce ourselves, really. So, Hannah, you're associate editor of Little White Lies. What do you do? <laughs> the question on all my uh, relatives' <laughs> lips. Um, I basically kind of sit between David as the print editor and Adam as the online editor. Um mainly kind of doing all the kind of reviews that we've got at the moment for online and I don't know just just kind of picking up the slack I guess um Mm -hmm. but at the moment that mostly involves writing a book so that's still something that I'm talking about in uh, in the abstract but not in not in detail yet but watch this space um listeners Oh, yeah. Can't wait to hear more about that, Hannah. You'll have to go into a lot of detail once you can. And of course, David, you are the Grand Fromage, the head honcho at Little White Lies, right? <laughs> Is that still true? Have you had, you has there so. been any battle for the throne? <laughs> I, 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 have, I haven't been fired just. I've, <laughs> you know, I've had to fend off uh, Hannah's advances with a, a massive iron broadsword, but... Um, you know beyond that no nothing no i mean it's it's been a, it's been a weird year and it's been um definitely one where we've had to kind of put our thinking caps on and be quite sort of a bit more innovative than usual in tr- in working out what we're covering and how we're covering it and um it's i think it's something that's also given us a bit of an opportunity to to sort of look at 
look like may, maybe maybe sort of do some issues that we may not otherwise have have done or um you know uh, cover films that we may not have, have covered so um uh, you know uh, and uh, and i i definitely think that, that 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 there's been some some lessons learned as well and and that now that relative normalcy is kind of hoving back into view and that you know P- P- peter rabbit's two's box office bonanza has now sealed the the fate of british cinemas and the uh, sunlit uplands are <laughs> are in in the in, uh, just over the horizon. That 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 we you know I I don't you know we won't want to just go back to the to the old ways. And so yeah, it's uh, it's it's been fun and lots of lo- learnt lots of new things and learnt learnt how to use Zoom and mm-hmm. <laughs> learnt that I have really bad internet. <laughs> well, well, long term listeners will remember that about a year ago you and I had a podcast that went down in Truth and Movies history as the dad pod where we wondered will we ever be able to take our children to the cinema will there be cinemas when they're old enough to go to the cinema of course cinemas are reopen every open now have you taken your little one yet well as a matter of fact yes um i did like last last friday um my my daughter who is about she she's like two and three quarters now she's really into like the peter rabbit cartoon on cbb's and we were kind of wandering around and she kept seeing, I mean, this is, this is a, a re- really amazing kind of marketing test case. <laughs> she kept seeing the Peter Rabbit uh, adverts on buses and sh- and screaming, going, look, look, Peter Rabbit, let's, let's follow that bus and, uh, <laughs> or, or get on that bus. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I was like, well, um, and this is in combination with it, with a children's book she had it's called Maisie goes to the movies, which is about a little rabbit who goes to see a movie and uh and she, yeah it that combo just kind of came together and we we just i just you know thought to hell with it we're going to go and see peter rabbit 2 on a friday matinee it's going to be chill it's raining outside so it's perfect time to do it and yeah she was she was uh totally locked into to the world of peter rabbit and uh donald gleason's pratfalls and uh mm everything so yeah it was a it was a, a a heartbreaking experience even if the film itself was shoddy i would say <laughs> but we're not here to talk about peter <laughs> no we're not of course we should mention as well that there is a new magazine on shelves new issue of little white lies a couple of weeks ago now that it was launched but we, the first time we can talk about it on the podcast who wants to do the honors hannah do you want to introduce the new issue yeah um we were very excited to be able to finally do a kelly reichardt issue um it is the the first cow issue of Little White Lies. Yeah, I, I, I'm not directly on the payroll and I can say with all my heart, it's a beautiful issue, really well put together, an amazing deep dive into all things Kelly Reichardt, first cow, amazing baking on display throughout the issue as well in there. And a special shout out to, I think, one of the all timers in terms of the covers, amazing design and then embroidered by Stephanie Watts as well. Shout that out. But of course, the issue is about first cow which is in cinemas this week. And we're going to be talking about that. That's the lead film this week, as well as the new big Disney film, Cruella, that's also going on Disney+. And then we'll have Kelly Reichardt again in Film Club with Wendy and Lucy. So let's kick off with First Cow. So up first is First Cow. In the 1820s, a taciturn loner and skilled cook travels west to Oregon Territory, where he meets a Chinese immigrant also seeking his fortune. Soon the two team up on a dangerous scheme to steal milk from the wealthy landowner's prized Jersey cow, the first and only in the territory. 
So, David, Kelly Reichardt has been excelling for years, but because I think this is an A24 production, because Mubi are releasing it, this seems to have got a bit more of a push than her last few. Could you quickly introduce us to Kelly Reichardt's vibe and how that feeds into First Cow? Yeah, she she's she's someone who uh, I I got into in I think it was two thousand and six when Old Joy came out. I think I was into Will Oldham, like the music of mm-hmm. you know music of Palace Brothers and 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 Bolly Prince Billy. Then like I I I see a darkness was like one of my faves, as it probably is is most people's. Um, so there was there, there was that that was definitely a hook seeing seeing Will Oldham act, but. Um, I think that the the push came from a a friend of mine in the industry called called Francis who worked for a company called Soda Pictures. One of their earliest releases was Old Joy and this was like I I knew her and this was this was kind of her big labor of love. I think she was kind of like quite young in the industry as well. So this was her this was de- this was her first big project and she and it was it was like very meaningful for her. So um yeah, it was quite you know i was invested in it before i'd seen it because she'd kind of you know it was a kind of hype thing uh but yeah i remember seeing it and and loving it and um interviewing kelly Riker and um daniel london who's the main guy in it for the for the london film festival um and yeah just 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 being one of those people whose career i'd followed i'd be, i was really upset that i couldn't couldn't go could go to Cannes in 2008 i think it was because Wendy and Lucy was playing in the uncertain regard and that was like the film that I was most interested in seeing the reaction to but because it was on that kind of lower non-competition tier not meant not that many people were seeing it and writing about it but there were a few you know underground things saying oh yeah this is amazing so I was really excited about that and yeah she's just someone who I've met like I managed to see her films at festivals and they've they've all just been really interesting sometimes I've I've felt like there's been a couple of her later ones like Meek's Cutoff and and uh, um, Night Moves where like definitely it was a kind of second viewing where it, it hit the hardest because like I think you know there's a I think one one of the things about her films and, and I think it definitely c- covers First Cow as well is that there is a sort of deceptive simplicity to them that they, they, they seem like they're just kind of guys and women out out on the landscapes and they don't say much and that sometimes they don't really do much but um that you know i think there's like that when you kind of like pull you know pull back the fabric a bit you can see you can see the stitching and it's really kind of complex and and uh and you know that, that there's so much kind of i think that, that a lot of her films have like this richness underneath them and there's 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 kind of they're talking about bigger things and bigger themes she, she does she, she i think what makes her a great filmmaker is she's not like for they're not they're not like obviously there you know they're not kind of you, you have to really dig for them a bit you know you have to kind of and 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 you know she she's not someone who's going to affirm what you're saying is true or what she you know that that you you can kind of impose things on on the films and and everything kind of fits really so um yeah that uh, she she's very she's very kind of inspired by like the kind of new hollywood 70s filmmakers they're quite kind of you know there's sort of americana vibes to to her films and and uh you know that tradition of kind of character actors and and you know looking at working class people in in a very kind of heightened dramatic way and 
uh, and you know things like poverty and landscape and you know things things that you mm-hmm. you don't really see as much more in in mainstream cinema but uh and yeah like you know first cow feels in many ways like a kind of ur text for um for for the for the for the Reichard hardcore you said that kelly Reichardt's films don't immediately seem to be about anything or at least don't kind of stun you with this high concept in the way that mainstream cinema does i i did a bit of an experiment in the last year so i didn't go to berlin where this film premiered and of course with the way the last year worked this film had a very sort of protracted um pre-release phase and just judging by the promo materials we know there's a cow in this literally the title the titular character is a cow and in the production stills we have like one bloke or two blokes and a cow that's all i knew about this film going in um, I knew I'd love it because I've loved Keller Reichardt's films previously, particularly Certain Women a few years ago. Um, and it is full of such delightful things. And Hannah, can you, it, you need to really delve into the film in order to bring out what's good about it. But let's start with the cow. Good cow? Great cow, yeah. Um, yeah I think like long-time listeners will know that I'm a very like meme-oriented person. And I think that A24 is um, a production company that really plays into the kind of millennials and your um, love of um, repurposing images and kind of distilling films to you know their kind of core element which some people some people hate that um, and they're entitled to their opinion but I think it can also massively work in the film's favour and it's very interesting to see someone like Kelly Reichardt who I think you would not expect to be getting that kind of treatment, Mm. have this film that's kind of blown up because people were obsessed with the cow. And I think there's a lot of people who probably wouldn't have ever engaged with the film. Was it not for the fact that, that Twitter kind of took on this cow as like a a beloved symbol of kind of um, uh, independent filmmaking and everyone just, everyone just really loved the cow. And Um, this film came out in America last year so there have been a lot of like pieces about Evie the cow and kind of delving into like her um, career as a cow and um, you know kind of really like latching on to that and I think it is like um, kind of like uh, emblematic of Kelly's career and the kind of things that she's like her films always tend to have like some um thread back to animals and back to kind of the natural world so I think it is like um I I I find it hard to believe that that she would be unhappy with that I think it's it's really sweet the way everyone has really like really uh come to love this cow and rightly so you know she's a great performer great actress (laughs) it's not often we get many like bovine performers it tends Mm -hmm. to be like even in Kelly's films her dog Lucy obviously has starred in quite a few um but I think it's nice to finally get a uh, a good cow on screen. And is the cow a symbol, symbolic cow, as well as <laughs> a scene stealer? I I think so. I think like obviously the fact the cow has been brought over from England um, is kind of this. There's this idea of um, you know the kind of encroaching colonies uh, on the American landscape, and and also like the idea that he's had to bring this cow over rather than just like learn how to milk a buffalo you know or a goat or something is is very kind of like when you stop and think about it it's absolutely absurd that he shipped this cow over toby uh toby jones's um chief factor has shipped a cow over because he misses having 
milk in his tea um it's totally kind of absurd but also i think like really kind of there's an underlying um theme of like this kind of looking for home and like being homesick and the idea that this man is so far away from home and the only thing he really wants is a little sort of taste of that and there's a wonderful moment which is in the trailer i think um where chief factor is um he eats a um eats a cake that uh cookie and lou have um made and he says this tastes like london and i think it's 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 very um anyone that's ever kind of been away from home for an extended period of time knows that kind of experience of uh, tasting something or you know smelling something and just thinking oh wow that, that takes me back and I think there's something really kind of um, sweet about it, despite the fact that the film is often very, very sad. Um, there is like this real kind of wholesome element. It's, you know, these two guys want to uh, bake biscuits and bake <laughs> cakes together. And there's this lovely cow who they, they t- treat with such... Um, Cookie and Lou treat her with such sort of kindness and they're so gentle and I think watching like against the backdrop of you know what was quite a brutal time in um, American history particularly towards um, Native Americans and towards kind of anyone who wasn't you know a a white um, British or Spanish colonizer um, it's so rare to see a kind of western which really revels in like the kind of tender moments and this idea of like being at one with nature and I think it's something that Kelly is really like no matter when her films are set she's a master of doing that and really kind of captures the idea of like being in sort of um, communication with the natural world whether that's trees and rivers and plants or a, a beautiful Jersey cow. Mm-hmm. Yeah you, you say a western there and it is a western in terms of its period setting its locations it's a very frontier based movie all these people have come with the american dream of um exploiting the land but um maybe it's a byproduct of the a24 type of promotion that it tries to present these films as this hermetically sealed um product of a genius whereas kelly reichardt is in such dialogue with other films i was thinking of the sisters brothers as another sort of sad but tender um bromance at the heart of a western the the sort of subplot with riz ahmed and jake gyllenhaal in that film which anton Battelle on this podcast a couple of years ago called a radical feminization of the the west which feels like a similar thing here about getting at the softer side of of masculinity um but then also, David, you mentioned in your review uh, that it's almost like McCabe and Mrs. Miller with Baking, the Rob Altman film. Could you unpack that a bit for us? Just because to give people a sense of if they don't really know what they get from this film, what they are going to get. Yeah, I think even even McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which is the 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 the, the, the great Robert Altman film, which is about kind of colonial outposts in America and this kind of but you know, almost like a kind of metaphor for the kind of birth of, of civilization and capitalism that go that goes goes sour um people people are very this is, nobody knows what that film is like you know if you call it a western um it's, yeah pe- pe- people people get up in arms about about it and say well it's not a western it's not a western um i i i definitely see some crossover there i i also i also 
the 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 thing that really like seeing seeing it on the second second sweep the thing that really hit me was that that it felt it feels a lot like a kind of um a more hushed version of of, of a film like if it, it felt felt like what like it has a kind of wolf of wall street slash gangs of new york vibe there's got like a kind of scorsese um you know you've got these two two chances who are entering into this world and you know you, if you if you if you kind of swapped out like baking for drugs or something or or like you know um fu- you know futures <laughs> you know like you, you've got like it, 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 there's the same kind of rise and fall arc in the film of like th- these guys who 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 have kind of cast their eye on this dream of 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 uh, of of, of, ca- of capitalist fortitude and then um it just kind of like through reasons that are kind of in the end quite mundane it just is completely escapes them and um you have this incredible um sort of topping and tailing of the film like a kind of almost sort of prologue and epilogue where you where, where you kind of, every everything is kind of couched in the kind of in a kind of existential way like you know we are we're just kind of flesh and bones and we haven't got much time and something something very very uh stupid could end us end up taking it all away from us so you know <laughs> when you're when you're acting in this world be be wary of your own mortality so um but yeah it's uh it's just it's really wonderful and yeah i, I just think it's a sort of film that's gonna i think it's maybe her you know maybe alongside I mean, all her films are, are super, super rich, and this what this one's no different. At minimum, it's like I, go, going back to what Hannah said. Yes, I think it kind of is probably the the, the Reichert film that works as a you know that kind of plugs into meme culture the easy the most easy, just because you've got this, uh, oh, oh you know oh look there's a cow, but 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 you know I think that people are going to be surprised when they actually see the film, and it's like okay you know there's there's more to it than that. So what scores would we put on First Cow? So for new listeners, this is the section where we put three scores on each film. This is In Anticipation, Enjoyment and In Retrospect. Hannah, I'll come to you first for your three scores. Um, I would say it's a four across the board for me. I was definitely excited about this uh, just based on the concept um, and was very kind of... Um, what would the word be perturbed I couldn't see it at Telluride um so I was glad to get the opportunity when it came um came to Berlin last year just before the world kind of went crazy um and then for enjoyment wise I think I've not seen all of Kelly Reichardt's films but I think this is um definitely kind of up there in terms of the ones I have seen um and yeah, it's it's one that I can happily imagine going back and rewatching. So yeah, but straight fours for me. And how about you, David? Although readers of the magazine will already know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I, re, I I'm I'm sticking with my uh, top 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 tier fives five five five. Uh, she she I think yeah. There's a there's a little story in the in the review which which people can read. I, I think it's going to go up online probably probably by the time this is this has been out. So you can you'll be able to read it. That just sort of talks about how sometimes you kind of invest in a in a filmmaker and you know that there's part of part of you that kind of is working that little bit harder just to to to, to love to love them in in the knowledge that there is that it is there and 
even if it doesn't appear in the first viewing so yeah that's 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 my reasoning really it's it's contrived but but sincere not to knock it down a peg but i'm definite fours across the board for me because kelly reichardt is the very definition of a rewatch filmmaker and this is one that i'm looking forward to rewatching. i watch it on a link at home i really like watching her films in the cinema where you can really sink into it so um still a strong recommendation i think we're all on the same page strongly recommending first cow and you can pick up the magazine as well to go even deeper into that world of the film First Cow is in cinemas now, and it's coming up on movie in July. Up next, we're going from the bovine to the canine for Cruella. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Set in 1970s London, Cruella follows a young grifter named Estella, a clever and creative girl determined to make a name for herself in the world of fashion. One day, Estella's flair for design catches the eye of the fashion legend Baroness von Hellman, but their relationship sets in motion a course of events and revelations that will cause Estella to embrace her wicked side and become the raucous and revenge-bent Cruella. So, Hannah... Do we need an origin story for Cruella Deville from 101 Dalmatians? No. <laughs> <laughs> Does this make the case for one? <laughs> it tries. Yeah, I mean, oh god, you can hear the weariness in my in my voice already. I I I've been trying to pinpoint for a few days now with some friends of mine where this began, where we began fixating on villain origin stories, and I can't. There was some debate as to whether or not it started with George Lucas and the Star Wars prequels, or if it started with uh, Wicked and hmm. the kind of phenomenon that was that book and then Broadway show, which for anyone who has been living under a rock, uh, basically tells the story of the Wicked Witch of the West and how she became the Wicked Witch of the West in uh, The Wizard of Oz. So, yeah, I mean, it's something that Disney, I think, have kind of been moving to capitalize on uh we had maleficent in 2014 i want to say um and now cruella and warner brothers are 
sort of throwing their hat into the ring with um, their Willy Wonka origin story, which nobody asked for. So, um, yeah, it's just another way of kind of getting some um, IP spun mm. out into uh, a, a, another box office smash, I guess, is the intention. Watching a film like this is one of those experiences where questions just keep filling your head. Who is this for? Why are they making this? What is the story here? There's the film starts with maybe a 20, 25 minute narrated montage sequence going through almost birth to young adulthood Cruella's story. And it's like, why are we being told all this? Um, and I don't think the film for me really ever makes a case for itself. David, what was your response to Cruella in the first instance? Oh, I I, I didn't like it at all. Um, but there, I didn't like it with one caveat, which we'll kind of get onto in a bit. But my my, I think I was watching it just just one of the things that was really hitting me. I mean, you've got like you've got Emma Stone, who mm. I think is a really good comic actress who is just wasted uh, on this quite sort of thin single dimension character. Um, even, you know, a single dimension character who has two personalities. I mean, how do you how do you even manage that? Um, you, you Then you've got like um, it's just so badly written there's just like there's mm. you, you know you've got you you've also got emma thompson who is supposed you know who is this kind of devilish uh fashion designer who is the kind of the tr- obviously we've you know our antagonist that we're that we're meant to not like is actually good and there's another antagonist who's really bad um uh, who played by emma thompson the baroness and she she she's supposed to have all these kind of withering put downs and I'd, i i was trying to I'm just trying to think back. Was I, I'm not even sure there was one that hit. You know, there was one that was like, yes, that's really cool. That's quotable. That's memorable. You know, she's giving it everything, but just everyone and everything is let down by the writing. Uh, even, even, yeah, this weird, you know, twenty-five minute prologue about you know her 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 birth. You know, it goes right back to her her birth and her kind of childhood, and it's just like, and you know, it 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 just smacks of like. We don't, you know, this was the first, it feels like a kind of first draft. It feels mm. like, let's just write everything out and see what it looks like. And they were like, oh, this is fine. Let's just do it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it, you know, everything is kind of signpost and you know, you know, everything's going to happen. But, let you know, let me, let me, let's not waste time on, on, on all the bad things about Cruella, such as like the, the weird production design where you have bits of modern London, let's like shot on set, shot on location in London where you can see like, you know, most of like contemporary 21st century London. It's supposed, supposed to be the late 60s, early 70s. It's kind of like, yeah, it's 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 meant to signal the death of rock, and you know, it's mm-hmm. it, the the you know, Cruella is the is punk, is Disneyfied punk. The one bright bright gleaming star in this in this film is Mr. Paul Waterhauser. I mean, you say one gleaming star because I think him and his um, canine associate really deserve a lot of the credit here um paul waterhauser plays the classic um the classic baddie (laughs) um horace um and he's joined by this like one-eyed chihuahua called wink and they have like a great double act going i just want to film about them i think like they're you know they're, they're delightful and paul's doing his best kind of apples and pears dick van dyke accent up against like Joel Fry obviously is British so just doing his old voice and 
Emma Stone recycling her accent from The Favourite. But Paul Waterhouse is going for it. He's, like, having the time of his life. And I can't be angry at him for that. Like, he genuinely, I think, understands this is a Disney movie and it's meant to be kind of, like, silly and over the top. Whereas I think everyone else was kind of going for, like, you know, serious, like, cool, like, oh, it's Cruella. She's, you know, she's a, a, a renegade punk icon. Yeah, she's twisted. Whereas Paul Waterhouse is just like, yeah, you've you've employed me to play the comedy bad uh you know, comedy henchman, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I'm going to do. Well, do, doing his best is a, a very good way of putting it, uh, Hannah. I'm, 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 uh, I'm trimming that back, uh, excerpting you uh, selectively there, because yeah, I, I love him and everything else he's done. He's always a pleasure to see on screen, but he's playing a role that is like so thinly sketched, and probably ten years ago when this was first floated was meant to be the James Corden role or something. But at least we were spared that, at least. And yeah, I suppose for, for me, it, it's just a such an unfocused film at at its best. It it seems like it could be a villain origin story flashback from a Batman film of the 90s that somehow bridged Burton and Schumacher at the same time. It'll make a really great V&A costume exhibition because Jenny Bevan's going to get her Oscar nomination for this, I'm sure. Did a great work sort of going ultra camp, but also everything that's great about 60s and 70s fashion. But um, yeah, wow, what a strange and focused film. And I must say, an absolute crime in, uh, against the art of music supervision, where it's just basically a, uh, a jukebox from a 1980s pub <laughs> of all of your 60s and 70s obvious <laughs> rock classics. I have said this in my view, but why would you hire Nicholas Britell, one of the best composers working today, to make a score? And then just plaster over it with like the Rolling Stones and mm-hmm. here's some Doris Day and here's some Nina Simone and like great songs, but just no need for ev- like there's about 20 of them on the soundtrack. It's just too much. Yeah, it's, it's thro- throwing money at it. It, 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 yeah, it was just it, it actually got so stupid and annoying where every single new scene, it was like a needle drop. And you're just like, oh, my God, you know. Is, have you is that it, it, it you could see that you could see the workings and it's just oh so bad there's one point where they use the harmonica intro from black sabbath the wizard just literally the 30 seconds of that to go straight into i believe sympathy for the devil and it's like when it gets to the stage where they're throwing money at a music supervisor's budget to just get the effects of a um, petrol station double CD compilation. It's, it's, it's not it's not right. But it just it speaks to something that was very confusing for me. Is it, It's a film in free fall and they're just grabbing onto all of these reference points. It's clearly inspired by um, the sort of Harley Quinn explosion uh, and how Margot Robbie did a good job there, sort of re- redefining a character and getting a younger audience by being sort of camp and evil. Emma Stone's being brought in from the favourite. She brings across Tony McNamara, who co-wrote that, to kind of do a pass on the script. We don't really get much of the the favourite's uh, qualities there. Same with Nicholas Patel. You can the only think they're bringing him in just to try and get a bit of that um, backbone from the projects he's worked on. None of it really adds up. But let's do the scores. <laughs> Maybe a bit of a contrast from our previous section. Um, David, what scores would you give this? Uh, I'd probably give it a three... I'm saying three, two, one. Uh, I mean, I, actually, no, three, two, two. I'd probably watch it again for for Paul Walter Hauser. One thing it reminded me of is: uh, do do you guys remember when they announced Disney Plus and there was this kind of parody account of all the weird live action <laughs> Disney movies that that kind of had cropped up on the service? I was watching this and just thinking, it's gonna. This is gonna feel right at home with like you know the computer wore tennis shoes and 
Herbie go- Herbie goes to Monte Carlo and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of it's that sort of like not even trying live action family filler stuff that that I think we're going to have forgotten about pretty quickly. Hannah, your scores? Um, two, three, two. I w- I think you know there there's like sparks of kind of potential. You can you can definitely see the creative talent behind and in front of the camera but yeah it just doesn't didn't grab me um I think it's pulling from all these things which are just far better and doesn't really know how to use them and yeah I I don't know who this movie is for but it wasn't for me Mm -hmm. definitely not for me either I'd say twos across the board um and just sort of speaks to a real dearth of inspiration in this sort of um strain of disney ip management you can get really great people both in front of and behind the camera but if you don't have a good idea it's not going to work is it anyway that's cruella which is in cinemas and on disney plus uh, premier access this weekend let us know what you think if you watch that or first cow at the usual channels at ld relies on twitter truth and movies at tcolondon.com via email up next film club back to kelly reichardt for wendy and lucy Wendy and Lucy then. Wendy is driving with her dog, Lucy, to Alaska in hopes of a summer of lucrative work at a fish cannery. When her car breaks down in Oregon, the thin fabric of her financial situation comes apart and she faces a series of increasingly dire challenges. So this film came out back in 2008 and it was Kelly Reichardt's first collaboration with Michelle Williams, who would then star in many of her other films after that. So David, you were a big fan of this at the time, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, I was pretty, pretty, still am. (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to spoil the story you give in your review for First Cow, but you gave this six stars, right? <laughs> yeah, this was this was in the heady days of my uh, employment at Time Out London, where there was a brief window where the editor at the time decided that uh, five that the, the five star rating system was just not holding water for, uh, uh, and so uh, um, we had to we, we start we started doing six stars. It was very funny because there 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 were instances. I remember my 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 the film editor um, Dave Calhoun. He uh, he did a review of Michael Haneke's Hidden, at which he gave six stars. And they they put it on the poster, and they had the six stars, but then they had to have brackets six stars after it as a kind of like this isn't a this isn't a typo. That's this is real, you know. <laughs> this is one louder, you know. So so. Uh, yeah but um that i yeah i i you know that was my that was my reichardt fandom kicking in and i i thought i thought this movie was even better than old joy and um i think it's yeah i think when michelle williams who's the star wasn't massive i don't think she was massive massive at that time she was certainly kind of well known enough mm-hmm. but there was a sense of her this was like you know Riker branching out a bit, working with a mainstream actor, bringing them, bringing them in, you know, in, into this kind of more sort of rough hoon role uh, of a of a of this drifter who and her dog who is just driving in a in a kind of old banger, uh, uh, and and uh, arrives uh, just 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 arrives in a in a kind of very what should be a spot that she is quote unquote just passing through, which is her kind of little uh, tagline in the film that she says to everyone uh, and every everything kind of goes wrong um, mm. just just uh, lots and lots of little things 
go wrong. One thing to just very quickly mention is that this is uh, the product of Reichert's collaboration with the author John Raymond, who's written everything apart from her debut film and uh, and Certain Women. They co-write the films and then he has novels which they kind of adapt together um, and he kind of passes the material over to her. And and yeah, he, he, he's kind of known for these just very lyrical, t- uh, very perceptive looks at kind of American marginalia, l- oft, often in kind of, you know, slightly kind of tumble down locales. And, mm. you know, in a way you've got, a, it's, it's a kind of near realist version of Lassie. You know, it's like, it's got, it's, it's absolutely, it, it uses a dog in a way that is completely unashamedly heartbreaking. Mm. And there is a, a scene at the end where, um, there is a kind of reunion of of Wendy of between Wendy and Lucy, which I just I can't I have to walk out of the room I can't it's so it's so touching and 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 heartbreaking that it's just one of the one of the toughest scenes to watch I think and it's the way one of the things that I love about this film actually it's a very simple thing it's just the way that Michelle Williams says says the word Lucy mm. and. Uh, uh, she says it a lot in the film she just calls out the name lucy and it's kind of like i remember seeing the the film and that just echoing in my mind for like months years afterwards uh it's just properly kind of it's like a kind of dialogue version of an earworm (laughs) in a good way (laughs) well as you say it's a film of small moments it focuses in on quite a small specific story I think Kelly Reichardt is the epitome of what I'd call a short story filmmaker and Wendy and Lucy is adapted from a short story from the same collection as her previous film, Old Joy. And these little moments, these these little things that go wrong or these little moments of kindness throughout just really end up giving you that huge emotional payoff as they as they gather steam, as they, as they come together. Hannah, was this a first watch for you? What was your take on Wendy and Lucy? Yeah, um, it's. I kind of had been aware of it for a long time, um, but never really found a kind of good time to sit down and watch it. And also, I kind of knew what happened, so I think mm. I was putting off uh, because I the last thing I need is dog-related trauma. <laughs> um, I can't stand films where a dog is put in any kind of peril, whether they live or die. Just that dogs in peril, animals in peril, doesn't sit well with me. Um, so yeah, I knew I was going to kind of, um, I knew, I knew I would probably really like it, but I just was kind of reluctant because I thought it would also upset me, um, which it did, but it is a great film. And I think it's really funny that Michelle Williams, like her first on-screen role was in like a, a version of Lassie from the nineties. Right. And then she did this like kind of in her, I, I think it was the same year as Cynic Doki New York. So it was like kind of when she was really like making a name for herself, um, and yeah, it's just a really, it, it fundamentally, like I think Kelly Reichardt's films are, is quite a simple story, but it's told with such care and such clear like love and honesty. I think it's it's very hard to not get quite invested. And there's one scene where uh, Wendy goes to a grocery store because she's um, not got any money and she's uh, she just wants to get some food for her dog. And there's this shop assistant or security guard. I'm not sure which he is. Oh, just the most hateful, like, <laughs> I, I tweeted this the other day, but one of cinema's greatest villains because he's just such a job's worth and such a, you know, what he does has, like, lasting ramifications for Wendy and Lucy and it's really heartbreaking and so simple. But 
you just kind of know that to his character it has it's just another day it's just you know it has absolutely no bearing on his life and I think that's something that in her films she's really kind of um good at portraying the Mm. you know the way that these very insignificant events to one person can kind of change the whole landscape for another and yeah I just I was I was very taken with it I think it's um a, a, a really beautiful very sad film and I think that uh, Lucy is just an absolute I just think like she wasn't a professional acting dog she's just you know Kelly's dog um is crazy to me because she's she's such a little star mm-hmm. such a finely detailed film though the characters are drawn so well even for single scene roles Will Patton as the mechanic who is trying to he clearly sees this woman's in in trouble but he really wants to get that money out of her or but also does present as some shred of decency it's this conflict almost between a small town mentality of we are a nice small town come and see us but also our mercy only goes so far it's really quite um heartbreaking some moments like she becomes friends with a security guard who lends her his phone they become it almost seems like he's going to become this great benefactor and then gives her some money and it's really just i think it looks only like seven dollars or something in the end and that's what you realize that's a, a maybe a, a great gesture but in the grand scheme of the hole that she's ended up in means nothing um something so heartbreaking and tragic there at the heart of it all but that's wendy and lucy uh, uh, David, would you recommend this as a starting point or the next point after First Cow? Great thing is it's only 80 minutes, but then most Kelly Reichardt films are quite short, so you can binge them all in a weekend, although I wouldn't recommend it that way. What do you, what do you think? Um, I, I think that you should... I think that you could... Yeah, there's there's like... I think I'm pretty sure there's like a Blu-ray box set out there of, of all her films um and then and then uh, Certain Women is on Criterion, so they're all, they're all out there and available um you should do it i think definitely do that do them in order because there's definitely mm. a kind of sense that each one just gets a little bit more expansive um in in in, in its own kind of unique in this own kind of unique Ricardian world um but yeah i mean it i think what wendy and lucy for me is the pinnacle just because i think the the thing that makes it work for me is that it's like i think there there is a sort of trope of cinema and a lot of a lot of directors and i think male directors tend to do this is like have a, they have a female protagonist and then kind of torture her and just make bad things happen to her and the drama kind of comes from that and i think that like one of the things that's great about wendy and lucy is that like that, that there is it kind of toys with this sense of like we're not like she's not just being punished and this isn't just fate dealing bad cards this is the result of like bad decisions and you know bad planning and but you know lots and lots of this of of things that that kind of all kind of add up and there there is a kind of you know it's like willing to deal with the complexity of of life rather than just be like you know we're gonna we're gonna make a woman suffer for your pleasure kind of thing so um but then it's also there's this amazing scene where she's kind of she has to she's forced to sleep in a in a in a kind of woodland clearing by a rail yard and this kind of drunk guy, played by Larry Fessenden, who who was in who was in River of Grass, um, kind of a kind of accosts her, but but nothing comes of it in the end. But it's a real like there's a real sense throughout the film of like of danger and of of survival as well, and and you know the, being a, being a kind of lone woman in America and making that decision to want to like 
be out there on your own is is you know you, there 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 is so much more to consider than 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 what you may than you know like the the lines on a on a on a kind of economic spreadsheet that you've mm. got like a a, a a budget spreadsheet. Hmm. So sorry, I went off on one there a bit. Your your passion is infectious, David. You're you're clearly deep in on Reichardt and Wendy and Lucy. I, I think I'd, I'd agree. This really pick up that box set that pick that has her first three or four films in and you're going to have a whole world opening up for you but that was wendy and lucy the dog days are over so we're pivoting from cows and dogs to a pig (laughs) themed week next week not necessarily enough lead film the big film out next week is a quiet place part two the uh, horror movie sequel from john krasinski but then our second film is the uh, documentary gunda a visual tour de force recommended by paul thomas anderson among others and we thought since we're going to be focusing on pigs in gunda our film club will be babe pig in the city so listeners let us know what you think of that film or any of the films we've discussed on this episode at the usual channels email us at truthandmovies at tcolondon.com or tweet us at lw lies hannah david thank you so much for joining with me for this revamped start of the new weekly run of Little White Lies to celebrate the return of cinemas. Listeners, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If your podcast player of choice lets you leave reviews too, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much for listening. Watch the skies. We'll be back next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.